Hello, my name is Joey Holtz, a.k.a. Mohawk Joey, host of the Pragmatic Anarchist Podcast. We are here to help workers connect around the world with viewpoints of people who have experienced what they've experienced in the job market. If you'd like to be a guest or have an experience you would like to share, please reach out to Joey at MohawkJoey.com. Enjoy the episode. So basically, we're basically telling the CEO, Josh Silverman, that you can't continue to raise the rates on sellers without providing enough support. And their excuse for raising this commission rate, one and a half percent, is because they're going to be providing enhanced customer service. This is the Pragmatic Anarchy Podcast with Mohawk Joey, episode four with Marissa Gracia, supporting Etsy Seller Strike. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, all right. Well, everyone, we're here with uh, Nurse Garcia on the Pragmatic Anarchist podcast today. Uh, she's here to tell us a little bit about the Etsy strike. And without further ado, I'm going to let her get right into it. Tell us what brought us here. Um, so I've been an Etsy seller since 2014, and I became a full-time seller after I lost uh, a corporate job that I had slaved away at. I did all the right things. I came in early. I left late. I worked through lunch. Uh, I, I didn't take any personal time unless it was for sick time, which I'm a cancer survivor. But anyways, did all the right things. I think that you're supposed to do lost that job and was devastated and basically shifted gears and poured all my energy into my hobby. That was a craft that it kind of offset the the cost of the hobby onto Etsy and from there I was like you know what I'm just going to turn this into a business because it's like you can give an employer your everything and it still won't be enough and so I felt like I was forced into Etsy but was at the same time very grateful like the option was even there because I didn't have right. my it website gave you sort of a, and- it, it gives you sort of like something different the, the work's dragging you down you're getting shit there and then and then Etsy people are are talking about how nice your things are they're buying it they're they're happy with it they're telling you the, the smiles you're putting on kids faces right like or oh I loved that smell whatever you know your product is there on the Etsy and you're selling um I'm selling skincare basically it's uh holistic skincare with like magnesiums for uh relaxing muscles like basically I started it just to kind of for myself I'm a cancer survivor and have a lot of pain and it's kind of like it was my self-care and then people started buying it for me and they were like this is amazing and from there it's just like you know I'll just put on Etsy and see what happens and it took off nice and then uh so we're talking about so so Etsy provided a way for you to make uh that that side hustle extra money uh, and then you were telling me that you were having problems with your job because of your health problems and you, and you just said cancer survivor. So tell us how that affected you in the workplace. Um, yeah, it's always been an issue, even through school. I was diagnosed with bone cancer when I was 10 and, uh, from there, my life changed dramatically. Uh, it was like an overnight thing. It took about like six months to even get the diagnosis, I saw five different doctors before one doctor would even consider taking an x-ray. Because, everyone you know, America. Growing pains. Yeah, everyone kept saying it was growing pains. You're, you're too young. Like, But 
my father pushed it, pushed it. And was basically like, she never complained. She's never sick, something's wrong. And it was every night that I was having serious pains and finally took an x-ray and it was a tumor that was humongous. It was the size of a baseball in my knee. Oh, wow. And that was, it, it led to like 20 surgeries and 10 months of chemotherapy. And that chemotherapy, it saved me, but it took its toll on my organs. And it was something that I knew was possible. And it seemed like the, as my age progressed, that I was going to have more complications with my health. And um, yeah, because that's that's a really young age to beat it. So you, how old were you when you started the chemotherapy? I was 10. So you were 10 uh, just turned you, so, 10. Wow. And wow. that was like the whole year was just surgery after surgery and chemotherapy. And um, we did everything we could to try to save my leg. Uh, they did like an internal prosthetic where they, it's like a, like a knee replacement. And yeah, they put the, the fake pieces was, inside, right? Yeah. Inside. Okay. And it was one of the earlier procedures. This was new technology and I was also growing. So it was very similar to every time I hit a growth spurt after the, the cancer and everything, I'd have to have surgery to lengthen the leg. It never worked right. I was always in pain. And uh, long story short, at 15, it broke and I had to have surgery to repair it. And we just decided to amputate. So like from 10 to 17, it was just, it was always something cancer related, even though the tumor was long gone. So that's seven years, seven years of doctors and issues and, and and, and experiment. That's, that is, that is a lot for any child to deal with. And then, but growing up to to do school, I graduated on time. I didn't get left back. Like that was something that I real high, strong and uh, perfectionist, but like failing at school wasn't an option. And so I managed to do it, never got left back. But always arguing with my teachers about my absenteeism because I was at doctor's appointments because I was in pain and it carried over into work. It was basically like I have more sick days than I have good days, especially even now after COVID. Like I got COVID at one point. It took me a month to recover from it. And even then afterwards, it was still this. I don't know if it was long COVID or what, but it could take about two months to feel back to normal or what normal feels for me. Right. And well, for a lot of people, COVID affected them differently. The, the, the couple of times I got it, I luckily I had like a small cough for a couple of days. Uh, at this point, uh, that cough comes back every now and again, but I'm also a smoker. So, you know, there's, there's personal health choices involved here. Um, yeah. But, but for the other people around me that, you know, I, I have friends who have died of it. And uh, right. my friend, Donald Carter, uh, he is a manager of the immunovirology clinic at UCLA and, uh, you know, so I got a lot of my information. I was lucky enough to have a friend in the field to to get gather information from, so I didn't have to, you know, deal with all of the the back and forth people were having about the effectiveness of science. And I'm like, well, I know scientists, so I'm going to go with his advice, right? But like, and you having this on top of all your health problems, you know, these uh the immune the immunodeficient are are more susceptible to the COVID stuff, and uh, anyone that I know who has chronic problems ended up having a, a longer, more negative experience with COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're going to be dealing with the repercussions of all this stuff for a long time. Absolutely. And, then, uh, and that brings oh. me to the other point is that this is a disabled issue in the workplace, not just yeah. on Etsy. And we're going to get to that, but like so many more people are going to be disabled or classified as disabled because of COVID. And so I think that 
this is an important part of the Etsy strike and just the workers' rights in general, that disabilities rights are human rights. And as soon as we get behind helping and accommodating to the disabled community's needs, the better off we will be able to adapt. Like my biggest gripe going through cancer while going through school and then just navigating the world of disability and limb loss in the workplace was the fact that nobody wanted to accommodate my needs. Like I was asking for the ability to work from home, work remotely on my laptop. And I was always told, no, we can't do that. Even though I knew the technology was there, they would let the salesman do it and work remotely. And and tech was there and everyone didn't want to use it. They want everyone in these offices dealing with the discomfort when it would have worked better for both of you, employer and employee to make the concessions. Because if what, they had what was that proven, already in place, yeah. they would have been able to just roll over COVID. It wouldn't have been such a shock in the beginning. Right. Yeah, they that that could have potentially set them up to be more successful through COVID because they had already been doing those things, right? Exactly. So in hindsight, we can look at all these things. We're like, why have we been doing these things this mess up way the whole life? And 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 it's you know, it's usually people in power, whatever position of power it is, whether it's political or employment or all these they have money that they get and they just don't want to lose it anymore. Right. So then every other thing comes around. Yeah. Every other thing comes from like not losing it to the less worthy or whatever. And, and as a disabled person in the workplace, I have always felt like I was viewed as temporary or not good enough to fully invest in, or this, you know, and growing up with the disabilities that I have, uh, this is a constant feeling that reinforces the negative self-talk that you already have when you're t- dealing with this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. And, I definitely struggle with, uh, I guess it's imposter syndrome, but it's just being blatantly told to my face that I was getting passed over for promotion because of I missed too many days. They would never trust me with it, regardless of the fact that I did the work would make up the work. Like I was always right, like they I get always, the job done anyways in less time. How is that not making me a better qualified candidate for this? And then they would right? reward me with more work, but never yeah. with like but not more money. Oh, more, no, no not more money. money. Not even <laughs> the title to humor me and shut me up. They'd be like, no, no just no. just the stuff to do. Yeah. Wow. Uh, exactly. And then, so that's that says so. So you were dealing with this uh, disability uh, ism. Uh, I don't even. I will try and. I know multi disabilities. The, 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 the multiple disability uh, and I, it's straight up discrimination. That's the word that I'm looking for. Discrimination in the workplace, which is illegal, right? Uh, that's why we have the ADA. So you're asking for these concessions, which are literally supposed to be bestowed upon you by the government rights that nobody gives a shit about right nobody so, gives nobody cares like uh, and, and 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 then especially here in florida i'm a right to work state if i bring up anything like that oh well you're fired for a, i don't even have to tell you bye right exactly i'm in, I'm in here, new boy. jersey and it's a right to work state and i actually ha- i filed a civil rights case uh with my state's division uh on a former employer because they were b- blocking access to the handicapped parking space and I had photos of it, multiple photos. Wow. I've called the police about it because basically I would have to walk out of the office building, go to my car to see that the car was blocked. So I couldn't pull out of the driveway. Oh, I'd wow. have to walk back into the building to then ask somebody to move the vehicle. And so basically they were causing me to walk more regardless of the fact that I had stressed that I was in pain. There was all kinds yeah. of discrimination with this employer and, uh, 
it was a nightmare, but I filed a suit not knowing what I was getting myself into. And regardless yeah, be, of what happened, being and vocal I about this stuff makes you a target, right? Talking, speaking up makes you a target and people treat you like you're asking for simple, basic human rights makes you some kind of like piece of shit that's not worthy. And it's like, this is what we have to change about the system, right? And yeah, uh, and the fact that the, the ADA is so flawed that they, they put the whole responsibility on the disabled person to enforce it. And when you try to get law enforcement involved, they're too busy to deal with it. Uh, society as a whole is very much like, you know, pull yourself park- up by your bootstraps and figure it out, guy. Exactly. Right? Like- they, <laughs> they park in the handicapped parking space without a placard. And, you know, if you ask them to move, they're just like, well, who are you? And it's like, if from first glance, if you see me, most people automatically assume that I'm a normal person and they don't, if I'm not showing my prosthesis, like you would never know, but it's like, right. I have to explain myself. And it's like, well, I shouldn't have why? to explain Why do myself. I have to explain myself? Why do I, I, I don't owe you an explanation for the shit I have to deal with. Owing you that explanation, actually it just is one more thing on the list of shit I shouldn't have to deal with. It's right. Just- and so it's like all these microaggressions piled on and then you still have to enforce you know, the, the ADA and there's no clear cut guidelines. Like how do you request reasonable accommodations with a business that classifies itself as a small business? Uh, and there's no, and then Etsy, clear, Etsy know, provided like, an escape from that, right? Etsy ended up giving you a solution to these problems you were having. You had yes. a way to not right. So, so at first I have to imagine that it was a, a free and invigorating feeling to, to, to the day you quit your job. Like I'm, just going Etsy now, right? I didn't even quit my job. That was the thing. I was I was let go. They told me oh, that wow. they were uh, getting rid of that position. And, you know, I was collecting unemployment. They gave me a severance and uh, was devastated. And uh, so then I was basically like, well, I've, I've got Etsy and uh, maybe I can make this work. Because then, so, I don't want right? to give another employer my blood sweat and tears and I like I would wake up in the middle of the night about projects like is this right is that right you know like preparing for trade shows and stuff just really going above and beyond just to fit into this corporate environment and it didn't matter and they threw me away and so that was like you know I don't want to do this anymore I'm tired of killing myself and hurting myself and dealing with the pain and getting nothing for it so that's where Etsy came in. And it was a good, really good feeling at first. And my customers, even now, are really appreciative, more appreciative than any boss I've ever had. But, that's awesome. Right? Yeah. Like, it, it feels good. People, people, we are we are an industrious species. Like, if you take, I, take, I say this all the time, if you take 100 people and you put them in a room with nothing to do for eight hours, 99 of them are going to want to be doing something by the end of that day, right? And, Absolutely. And, and when we are validated in these experiences by by being properly compensated, being, you know, then all of a sudden, like you're, I'm way more likely to go above and beyond for a boss where I know my needs are met. Yeah. I can afford a babysitter. You want to call me at 10 o'clock? I need to come to work for an emergency. Well, I mean, if I know my family's taken care of and there's food in the fridge and I get, of course I'll help, you know, and you don't think twice about going a little over above and beyond to help, but employers expect that whilst giving you just the bare minimum and like, you know, let alone being, you know, acknowledged for your accomplishments or praised or, you know, pizza parties. Like we don't want that. We want money. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. 
And so Etsy came in and it was a learning curve. There was so much stuff that I didn't know. <laughs> and how do you know that you don't know it when you don't know it? But I got through it. Customers made it a better experience. And slowly but surely, I started to grow on Etsy and I learned how to build my own website. And so that was really empowering. And basically, I was doing what I went to college for, which was art. And like I studied animation. Um, but so basically, taking some of what I learned in design and applying it into an art or a craft. Right. And- yeah. We're the sum of all our experiences. So taking everything that you experienced in your life and putting it in your heart and soul into the project that, right. And that's, and people can tell that's in your products. Like, you know, even in my podcast here, like I, I just want to have these genuine interactions with people and get people like you stories heard. And like, you know, some people are like, you're doing it for this. I'm like, bro, I tell you what I'm not getting done for all the, any of this is paid, right. I'm doing this for to, to share this stuff. And so you, you were able to, make a living with Etsy. You went through your learning curves. And uh, now I know that over the years, their their fee structure has changed, right? And it's gone up a little bit. And I was reading the materials you were giving me, and it looks like uh, like every other piece of corporate America, the Ubers and all these places, the Airbnbs uh, that are pricing out homes and all these places, uh, they've, they've been pricing you as sellers right out of being able to, to compete, correct? Yes, they absolutely have. The fee increase started in 2018. Basically, once they switched over to the new CEO, uh, Etsy had been public for about two, three years. They went public in 2015. Um, And during that time period, they're making changes to the algorithm. And Etsy was all over the place in terms of sales. Um, And I was kind of navigating all those changes and just learning how e-commerce really works. And 2018, they lost their B Corp certification and they come up with this motto, keep commerce human or keep the internet uh, human. I forget what the the motto is, but anyways. Uh, Hold on. Wait, you're saying they lost their B Corp status? I've looked into the B Corp stuff. So I, I actually understand a little bit for people who are listening who don't know separate from your llc status that you sort of agree to abide by the set of rules where you're just sort of a better type of company uh and so you lose that status when you don't play by those rules yeah so etsy got an extension from uh b court certification to, to decide what they were going to do while they were restructuring with the new ceo they let that lapse and then they decided that they were going to restructure it as a C Corp and they changed their the the business uh life slogan and it was keep commerce human and that's when the fees started coming in. They had they raised it from three and a half percent to five percent. So it was another one and a half percent increase. And then they came up with a couple of different little packages to enhance your Etsy shop. And so I saw the fees and I was like, okay, I don't love it. It's a little alarming, but they're making all these improvements and changes and more customers are coming onto Etsy and I'm not having as many conversations outside of the internet. Like, Hey, have you heard of Etsy? Do you know about Etsy? And more people knew about Etsy right off the bat. So it was like, okay, these increases, it makes sense, whatever. More value, more product, better experience is what you were being promised and sold at the time. Yeah. So that's where it started. Then 
they started to make changes to the Etsy ads program and there was no way to opt out of those changes. And so we're being charged fees on top of fees. So there's that, there's the commission fee. There's, they charge a commission fee on shipping rates too, because apparently people were gaming the Etsy system and they were charging like a product would be $10, but then the shipping would be like $35. So that way Etsy couldn't take the commission off of the shipping fee, but that's really where the product cost was coming into. And then Um, then Etsy defeated that loophole with, you know. Exactly. So, yeah. So because of some people ruining it for all of us, you know, so now shipping gets charged a, a commission fee and also gift wrapping. So you can offer gift wrapping for the holidays or whatever. And there's a fee for that as well. So they take commission off of that. If you decide to use Etsy's internal ads program, you're paying for ad clicks and you don't really know where those clicks are coming from. There's no data around it. So but- you're just being shown a number of clicks. They're getting but they're getting all the because I, I work in uh, some online advertising uh, sectors every now and again. So they're getting the full demographic breakdown if those clicks are actually going to you, whether whatever. But they're receiving that and they're just showing you, they're probably saying, okay, well, we had this many people divided by this many. And they just tell you, you got that many clicks. And it's probably not even the real number at that point. You know what I mean? You're, you're getting, yeah, and you're getting assigned true. a percentage of how many overall clicks they had because they're not actually going to go take the time to, to figure that out for each person because that does not behoove them to do so. Like all these unemployment numbers, right? Every state's unemployment office after they ended the uh, things where you didn't have to apply for jobs anymore, they all have months and months of unanswered job application data in every single one of those unemployment offices. I don't see them uh, looking into that, sharing that information with the public, uh, using it to counteract this narrative that the employers are crying no one wants to work, right? Move the government and the government, we, we're... Could you show us those numbers? Because you, you don't really, they don't show us numbers that negatively paint things. There's a reason that I can't Google uh, how many high school kids currently work at McDonald's and get a straight answer from any website. Because the answer, in my guesstimations from the research I've done, is probably less than 5%, probably closer to 2 or 3 at this point. Uh, so, you know, they we can readily find all this info they want us to see about all the good things they'll do. But then you start looking into the things that, all of a sudden you can't find it. That's, that's where I see holes in information and I start digging more. Right. Right. Uh, so then this all, I mean, this I'm curious. All... I was trying to look up data on how to figure out how many Etsy sellers categorize themselves as disabled because the narrative I'm seeing from people online about the Etsy strike right now is, I understand a lot of people don't understand that, you know, this marketplace seems frilly and whimsy and it's definitely a woman dominated it's really not actually looking i did find some data on the demographics of etsy sellers and it's very much 50 okay yeah so like the narrative there with people is like well if you don't like etsy you don't like selling on etsy because they're raising these rates you should just leave and i don't think that that should be the answer um they're all going to be raising their rates. I mean, I sell on Amazon handmade and I don't agree with Amazon's policies. I do my best not to shop on Amazon. I live in a somewhat, not rural, but suburban. And with my disability, it's very hard to get some of the things that I need that are specialized without hurting myself. So unfortunately, like abstaining from Amazon, is almost impossible with 
<laughs> in my area at least. So that's a frustrating thing, but I saw oh, this is, okay. made I found this can't... one, the, the guru focus site that you uh, sent me that link to here. Yeah, that's a good uh, site. That was, a, but the data I couldn't find was how many uh, sellers categorize themselves as disabled. And I yeah, think that I, didn't, I didn't see any stats on that either when I was in there. Um, it's an so afterthought. Have you found like uh, any information in your own research on that or? No, only from just a handful of stories. Like there's a couple of sellers when I first started that I found their stories really inspiring uh and basically they there was one seller who opened up a shop a beautiful shop and she had cancer and she was going through her cancer treatment but she was basically when she felt good enough and she would make large batches of of products and list them on her etsy and sell them in between her not feeling well and going through her chemo And her shop blew up. She was like one of the first like Etsy shops to go viral when Etsy first started. And so I saw that story as being inspiring because they definitely did use these stories to sell the Etsy dream. But unfortunately, there's no actual hardcore data as to how many sellers are disabled on Etsy and how many of them do this full time to kind of be able to be flexible and adapt to their needs on a real time basis. Because, you know, that's not something that I got from my employers. Um, yeah. And, and so that's like, we talked about how that's a liberating feeling and then, uh, and then moving in. So that we, we, you said something about this Etsy strike a couple of times and I, I read about it now. Go ahead and oh, tell us the, 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 the meat and potatoes of exactly what's going on there and what either people who purchase from Etsy, let's, let's, what do we need to know about this strike? Like what, what do you want people to know about? So with the strike going from April 11th to April 18th, tell us about it. So you don't have to have an Etsy shop to participate. And it's also for sellers on Etsy. So if you're a buyer, it's basically for those seven days we're asking that you don't shop on Etsy, don't buy on Etsy because of the fee increases. Because if the fee increases start, that it's a six and a, the Etsy commission fee goes up to six and a half percent. Right now it's at five percent. It's going up one and a half percent. So basically, we're basically telling the CEO, Josh Silverman, that you can't continue to raise the rates on sellers without providing enough support. And their excuse for raising this commission rate one and a half percent is because they're going to be providing enhanced customer service. Right now, SE doesn't have a customer service hotline, even for customers. So a customer can buy wow. from an Etsy shop that popped up and they could be scammers or it could be an authentic, legitimate shop, but they may have issues where they're unable to work it out with the, with the shop or what have you. They, so one no- bad experience could ruin a new shop. It could ruin a, a person's first experience on Etsy. It could, it, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a preventable loss space in your business structure, right? It's you a can space have your credit card current- stolen and someone yeah. shop on Etsy and there's no way to call Etsy to say, hey, cancel those transactions. You've got to go through... And uh, through their email service, and that can so what, take. So what you guys want is a uh, organized bargaining unit in Ex- order to speak up and have these things that you all feel together and and like just happened with Amazon. This is exactly the way to do this. Is the only way they will listen is for everyone involved to get together and speak up together because, as we've all felt in the past, you know you. And you intimated this feeling and I felt in your uh, conversation about it. And I feel it all the time too, with uh, being a disabled person. It's sometimes you feel like you're this Island alone against this, this like wave of, of shit coming at you. Right. And then 
Yeah, nobody really have... takes it seriously. Everyone's just saying, yes. you know, well, if you don't like selling on Etsy or the prices are getting too expensive, just leave. But the thing is, is there's really only a handful of websites now where people do most of their shopping. There's Amazon, eBay, you know, there's just the really big online e-retailers. Um, for specialty things, people come to Etsy. And we know most people that are familiar with Etsy, they go to Etsy for gifts and for special things. Etsy did a good job branding themselves as that, that, you know, they created this niche marketplace and they, and they, they did a good job at it. Right. They, they and then, sure. but now they're overstepping their boundaries because they really don't greedy. exist without, and they're you, not right? they don't exist providing... without the sellers. They don't sell anything. Right. They're getting greedy. They're not providing value to the sellers or considering the sellers. And as they're not, they're claiming that they're going to give us a customer service hotline and better customer service. Um, they should have been providing that from the get-go. And the fact that they're passing that cost on to the sellers yet again, while they're taking in record profits, like they have made the most in 2020 and 2021 than they've made from like all all the years prior. So many businesses around our country, not just everybody, and all the ones who are crying that they have these higher operating costs and nobody wants to work for them and all that more to us publicly out here are at the same time during their shareholder reports and their quarterly uh, earnings reports bragging about having a uh, lower labor percentage cost with higher output from to-go's. So they're basically just like restaurants or self-admittedly overworking kitchen staff who've been there through a pandemic and they're not really bothering trying to find. And this is where, you know, these places aren't replacing people because why, when you can keep piling it all on one person's back for peanuts, right? Like, and, and every company out there that is doing these things and saying they need to raise the offset costs and stuff, all posted record profits in 2020 and 2021. They are all just reaping in greedily these piles of money from, 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 Pandemic us, confusion, right? And it's from and, people, and, and that's from the, the other people thing and the workers that, that make these fucking products. Etsy makes most of their money, and this is really important. They make most of their money from seller services, not from the commissions of sales. They make a very nice amount off of commissions of sales on Etsy, but the real meat and potatoes of their of the money that Etsy earns is from the Etsy ads. It's from the Etsy. Uh, there's different like tiers, subscription. So tiers. you pay you pay you pay more of the Etsy people's salaries with the fees you pay as an Etsy seller as yeah. a whole just to be part of the ecosystem than you do with the percentage of sales that come from the items you sell there. So, so yes. they're not even, they're not making the bulk of their money off of the things people sell the products. They're literally making the bulk of their money off of their interactions with you, the people who provide the products on their website. With the sellers by upcharging right. us for, uh, you're, you're the middle class that's getting squeezed in the situation, right? Like in the, in, in the bigger broader advertising. Wow. Yeah. And it's advertising on their platform. And they've also offset the cost of their advertising offsite directly onto the seller. So all those Google ads that you see when you're Google searching holiday gifts, handmade gifts, Mother's Day gifts, whatever, and you see an Etsy ad on Google ads, that's being paid for by the sellers. Etsy doesn't pay not even paying for their own advertising. Uh, that, on that, Google, no. That's you, a great. I, I got to figure out how to do that, right? If I'm, I'm apparently I'm doing everything wrong by being a compassionate individual that believes that every human deserves these basic human rights, and that's yeah. the worst part about being on the internet. Some days is it's like, how can you people argue against us wanting 
someone to be able to go to the doctor and go to a doctor and get healthcare, not getting fired for being sick, not, you know, and especially at a time when with a pandemic sweeping through the nation and people are still arguing about whether they should take precautions against said pandemic. It's like, what is wrong with employers today? And we found a lot of the things wrong uh, through these groups that we're all members of, right? The, the anti-works, no one wants to work. So all these groups, like the community that's building there, where all of us who have opened our eyes to this, that they're still pretending this isn't happening, right? To the, to the, to the economists and the higher ups, they're still acting surprised that the great resignation is still going strong. Right. But they're not like, this is not a, 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 a fad. This is not a thing where like, it's, it, it, it just, I felt this way and then that's going to wash away. No, that is a switch that flipped in me. Right. I that, felt that, this that, way that. since 20, since 2010, when I I've felt I've, this way my whole life. Right. But yeah. finally other people, we finally have connected and realized we're not all alone in this. We all feel yeah. the same way. And this we make really the products, validating. we sell the food, we are the power and not not in the fucked up, like satirical fight club bullshit way. Everyone fucking misinterpreted that book. That book is a fucking satire. But we do, we are those people that, that he talks about, but in a very positive way, if we all treat other human beings around us with compassion and, and we don't judge our success by, by how much higher than the other guy we are, right? If we judge it by how many people get lifted up with us, all of a sudden, everyone's doing a little better. Every company that does this shows higher profits the next year. Like it's right. just simply right and that's all they do they offset the cost humans are our greatest resource and as long as we treat them like pieces of shit we're not going to get anywhere that's a message i want employers to hear every day right like a little fucking compassion goes a long way my guys this this woman right here would probably still work at the job you worked at if they gave you those concessions and you would probably be grateful for those concessions that they should have been providing and you would still to this day be providing them the excellent worker services that you did because a job that can be done remotely, you know, what, what does anything except for my ability to perform this job wherever I'm doing it have to do with, you know, all of this management bullshit. And that's, you know, all these reports about the managers just miss having people's shoulders to look over, right? They're kind of useless. We're finding out, you know, all these systems are built to draw value into uh, pockets that, you know, if we're going to talk about the lazy people in the workplace, is it's the CEOs and employers sitting there doing nothing while upper we do all the work, right? Like Absolutely all the shit they man. accuse us of as the employees. It's like, but bro, we make that shit. What were you doing while we were making that shit? Oh, you were telling us to make it faster. Hmm. Right. right. Like it's, it's yeah, weird. no uh, breaks, work harder. Man, they got that these Amazon guys peeing in bottles, right? Like that's fucked up. Um, unethical that is so upsetting i mean but even the meat packing industry the the people that slice up and cut up or cut up meat uh, they don't the conveyor belts are, are moving so fast that they sometimes accidentally cut themselves they hurt themselves they don't have time to leave during their shift to use the restrooms they're going in the restrooms in in bottles while, and, while like, dealing with the food we're eating, going right? by yeah it's and insane. that's just we have we have some of the you know, we talk about all of the uh, the labor movement and how much we've progressed as a country and as a world. But at the end of the day, like this we are jungle. just still doing the same shit out there. Right. But some places get better at hiding it and people get away with what they can, where they can. Right. Like oh, yeah. all the people who like uh, think that Jeff Bezos should be as rich as he is. They're like, well, he he did it by the rules. Right. It's like if the rules allow one person to pay to change that much out of the economy, like then the rule must be broken. Right. Like, and, and, and I use this metaphor a couple of times. If I buy a bunch of oil for my car and I stick that oil in the trunk, 
that engine is going to blow up, right? You got to put the oil in the car. It's, it's, it's that simple. The economy runs on money and it needs to circulate. And when one or two people hold more money than every other person in the country, it's like, whoa, there's something, something's broken, right? Like if nobody sees that that's broken, nobody should be personal, flying personal rocket ships to space while our government space programs aren't funded. If he was taxed properly, we'd probably have spaceships going to space for everybody right now, right? We're just rocket ships for all. Woo. Like I, that's, that's the world I want to live in where we're all just lifting each other up. Like, yeah, and- well, he has lobbyists and he pays to have the laws changed in order to accommodate him. If anybody wants to know about what Amazon's doing, I highly recommend the podcast, uh, Land of the Giants. Season one is all about Amazon and how Amazon came to be from selling books in Portland or no Seattle. So selling books in Seattle to where they are today. And it all starts yeah. with spaceships and mega yachts. And that's, uh, I haven't listened to that one. So I'll give it a listen to, I can't speak for it one way or the other until I've heard yeah. it, but uh, that's but definitely a, a really topic good I'm one. interested in. And I it talks about his tactics, but yeah, he I, pays. I spent a lot of time researching the, the Bezos because he's a, you know, he's a big topic who, and he's, 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 all it's got to change. All companies Personal property shouldn't be, him. he shouldn't have that. I, I don't know how to best articulate it. And I don't believe that anyone who has earned their way to the top should have that ever taken away from them. You know, we, we can give them the medal that says best billionaire ever, you know, and say, good job, buddy. And then like, we'll, as long as we will keep your bank account at a billion, but anything over the billion, you know, just it's got to go back into to fixing the world somehow. I don't care how put it into other companies, fix something, but redo it. Stop. Stop saying that we're fixing the world with your fucking shit while your factory workers have 80 percent higher accident rate than almost any other labor force. Right. Like all these stats that you can find online about just how when you start digging, it's it's really really dismal i i don't know many people who are happy to work for amazon right and then even even these and it's how how programmed are we that like the best thing that you can do in life is like stick it out to a job you really hate because it pays really well right this is the type of thing people aspire to like well i i know i'm not gonna like doing this but it pays good so i'm gonna go carry drywall for 20 years nobody gets up in the morning when they're a kid and says i want to have a exploded disc from carrying things that are twice my size for 20 years. And then I can't afford health insurance and then I can't carry shit anymore. Right. Like, and then guess what? You're no longer valuable in that workplace either. Cause now you got no back and can't yeah. lift it. We don't need you. Right. So, you know, and I, and I'm sure that in an office setting, especially uh, in, with your disability, you know, when you look at things on the thing where they're like, you know, you don't have to lift a 50 pound box in this office. Right. But they have that requirement there sort of to, to, to filter out, the disabled without filtering out the disabled. Uh, This also happens with a lot of uh, neurotypical issues. Uh, The way that filling out job applications works online is very uh, hard for some neurodivergent people. Uh, You know what I mean? Uh, And this is a thing I heard a lot from the people I was talking to about it. And and a lot of these things are just built around if you're, if you fit in this box, cool. And then these ideas were stretched out across everything. Individualism without being made toxic is a very good thing, right? Every individual intersectionality, the the connectivity of everybody and how everyone's struggle is different. So we have to to acknowledge that everyone's struggle is going to be different and 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 approach everything with that per person approach. And if 
we did that with these things when it's not like, oh, well, the rule says it's either this or this. It's like if we took these things on a case by case basis with actual people, if we involve mental health professionals in some of these law enforcement decisions, if we just tried doing a couple of things a little differently for a little while, try them out. We tried out trickle down economics for 40 fucking years and it didn't fucking work. Like if we right. can give that 40 years. We can give a year to like, you know, one counselor for every five cops and the counselor can be for the cops and the criminals. Right. Like, you know. There's a lot of situations that can probably be much better resolved by not sending a uniformed man with a gun into an argument between a husband and wife or or, or a mentally uh, disabled person who is just not responding to commands because, oh, well, they that's their disability, right? They, they, they aren't ignoring a cop. They're just simply unable. Maybe they're deaf. You know, you don't know. And there's a lot of changes we could be making in the world about this stuff. And the only way we get to make these changes is by having these conversations and when people come up with these dumb ideas about like why we don't do things, like why we shouldn't abandon capitalism, why we shouldn't make the CEOs pay their fair share, you know, but but if we're really, really nice to the rich people, maybe they'll give us more stuff. And it's like, but that doesn't work. It hasn't worked and they're not. So I'm right. giving you another answer, my guy. Even with these donations from the super wealthy, it's why are we allowing them to decide where that money goes and who gets that help. Like that's what's so inherently wrong yeah. with the, uh, with our society. And, and and also with these insurance companies when, you know, the worthy poor, I was having a conversation the other day, you know, when the, the, uh, there's a um, story about this and I'll have to look it up and I'll maybe do something about it next time, but the worthy poor, the concept of like, okay, well, we're going to help, but only if you're worthy, right? You got to, you got to, you got to fit all the check boxes or you're not good enough for help. That is bullshit. Every human being deserves respect. Every human being deserves food, shelter, and health security. If we're going to be a fucking civilized nation, we're going to call America the greatest nation in the world, then we need to act like it. We need to, to provide these things for our people because as long as our people are dying and starving in the streets from lack of access to health care, food, and shelter, then we're just a giant pile of shit, right? That, that if we can't provide these basic things to people, then, then what are we doing here? Like, I, I can't sleep comfortably at night in a world where I was actively in the way of someone else being able to eat food. Like, I don't know how that sits right with people that argue against these things, right? Like how it doesn't make sense to me, but there's not everyone feels like I do about it. So to me, it seems like a no brainer, but convincing these companies to make these changes, it feels like, feels like a losing battle, right? You, you gave up on your company, you went to sell for Etsy on your own. And now like, now we're not doing that anymore though, right? We're not, we're not just, you know, cutting and running from toxic workplaces. We're cutting, we're running. And then we're saying this is why we're not coming back. So make the change or we won't, right? Right. And, and so I thought is... that by running to Etsy, even though I gave up on, on the idea of private health insurance, because that's a battle in and of itself, but I wasn't getting it from my employers anyways. At that point, they were playing games in this at-will state. And so it's like, I thought with Etsy, maybe I could earn enough to sell enough, earn enough, and be able to kind of cover my own costs as needed. And with these increases, it just makes that much harder. You know, COVID happened. And with COVID during the shutdown, I was finally at this point where it's like, everything that's ever happened to me has led me to this moment. And I was able to be okay. I wasn't freaking out the way everyone was freaking out because money was still coming in. People were still buying from my shop. I could still quarantine and keep myself safe since I'm immunocompromised because I could drop off the packages after hours. My post office, they have a 24 hour drop box. Yeah. You find ways like, to work can... around what you're doing and figure it out. Right. 
and, and it was great. And I was like, for the first time, I was like, I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. And, you know, Etsy is a, good a part of this. Etsy helped make that a reality. And then slowly but surely, I guess, with the war or the invasion that's going on in Ukraine and with just the general depression, people aren't obviously buying, you know, handmade skincare online as much. The economy is slowing down. And I tried not to use that as an excuse because I don't like I don't want to sound like a failure, but I feel like a failure. But like the reality, yeah, but we have to realize that, that these are not. These are not failures on individuals' parts, right? These are failures right. of a system as a whole that we as individuals yeah. are taking the brunt of, right? Yeah. And that's why we have and- to address it system-wide. Like if, if Etsy is no longer serving the needs of the people who make Etsy possible to and run as a successful business. right now. And that's the thing is that Etsy you guys are providing a way to say, we would like it better. If you can meet us halfway, like we'll put in this for you. If you put in this for us, yeah. like, come on, meet us guy. Like the, and- the cost of my supplies have increased since COVID happened because of the whole supply chain issue. My, it was for a while, it was really hard to get jars. And so I had to stockpile. I had to stockpile on my ingredients. So basically all the money from the increase in sales that had happened disappeared because I had to up my my stock levels and supplies and then Etsy comes in and it's just like well I'm okay and I'm getting by and I'm keeping food on a table and a roof over my head and you know my responsibilities are being barely managed but I'm getting by so that's all that matters and now Etsy comes in and basically like we're gonna need more money but we're still gonna give you the same or not if not less and so yeah, and landlords are doing that to everybody it's, it's, yeah. now. Now I have been much better informed and now I understand how badly Etsy's doing it to the sellers. And, and we see it. Uber has been doing it with their, everybody's been, you know, DoorDash. It, it's just happening in every sector. And this is the thing, right. the gig economy that, that feels at first, like when, when, when first exiting the toxic workplaces were exiting the gig economy, it's this breath of fresh air. It feels good to be my own boss and like do my own thing. But it, it is really hard to piece things together from that. And when you look at the numbers behind it at this point now with Etsy, with Uber, all this, the, the rate at which our value of labor is being extracted from us is exponentially growing on both sides. This alleged solution is now worse than working for a boss, right? Like it, it's, it's because you're, you know, you don't have the protections of, of your checks coming from them. It's, there's all these, you know, so some people who have gone to the other side, there, there's, good and bad and positive and negative to all of it. But at the end of the day, like they are taking advantage of the situation and squeezing out uh, every penny they can from, from the humans who make this possible uh, while they sit in their towers and count their stacks of money that they're making from not even selling products that they're making. And they hold us letting you advertise your own things on their website that they admittedly did a good job of branding, but there's, there's a, there's a there's a percentage somewhere in the middle between what they're asking for and what you guys were used to paying that that I'm sure if they will meet you in the middle somewhere a compromise can be reached right if if and this is what we need businesses to do everywhere is when the when the workers gather together like Chris Smalls and Amazon you and the Etsy sellers when these gatherings happen here in Lee County where I live when my experiment first went viral they were uh, they did a bus driver strike about a couple weeks after that and the drivers didn't work for a day. And the county real quick was like, all right, well, what do you guys need? Oh, you you want more money. Well, here's more money. Cool. You'll come right. back. Awesome. Problem solved. Nobody heard about that, right? Nobody. Th- this wasn't big news because 
nobody, nobody, nobody likes the drama of like, oh no, that's totally fair. Let's go. No, we, we only want to talk about the big fights, but like the wins, these little wins are where uh, the employers that just listen to the employees, they get their workforce back, right? The employers right. who have been paying a living wage this whole time, they are understaffed. Um, and in a lot of these places, uh, they, they need to make every workplace more accessible to every human, uh, on every end. Like we, we can't, we can't have situations where you're, 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 you're being punished simply for existing. You didn't ask for bone cancer. You didn't ask to be an amputee. That's a decision you made with your family. Like you had to go through all the things you had to go through. The last thing you should have to deal with when you walk into the workplace is someone telling you that you're not good enough because of that. Like, the, and, they, and it's know, funny because they, they'll never come out and say it. They'll never say like it. That, they'll never obviously. say it, but they'll always treat right. And people act but they like will, they will treat you different and they will go out of their way to make it clear that you don't belong because you can't fully assimilate. And that's the thing about the workforce is they want robots. They don't want us to have feelings. They don't if you want, want us robots, to... build a fucking robot and let me go do something else then, right? Give like, us a basic livable income and then have yeah. your robots. But yeah. you know, teach, teach me like, how to run the robot. Maybe, you know, whatever. I I'm I'm willing to help if I'm not busy uh picking up shit because we've got the shit robot. Like, teach me how to fucking fix the shit robot. I'll go fix it when it breaks for you. How's that sound, guy? You know, we we've all seen these stories. Uh, but even those, it's all, you know, <laughs> they're all just like, let's feel good about being exploited by capitalism at the end. And at the end of the day why don't we just maybe try something a little different? You know, it's just not working. It just doesn't work the way it is. Like, and every place that tries to do things a little different worker co-ops, right? Like that's a big movement. Uh, one of my, uh, guys, uh, Patrick Conlon on one of the work groups there, he runs works, which is a, uh, he basically does videos and teaches people how to cooperatively assemble a workplace. And, and in a, in a way that, that the employees can own it and everyone's happy. And these places, everywhere they do them, every business that, that starts implementing these kinds of uh, leadership styles, as opposed to the the imperialist or capitalist style, uh, they see happier workforces, they see happier customers, they the better growth. It's just the numbers are there, and 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 the empathy is there in a lot of people, and we just have to keep that spreading, right? If 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 we can meet these obstacles where people are pushing back against us asking for for fair treatment in the workplace and asking for fair treatment in our lives, uh, just asking for permission to exist, right? Like yeah. why, why is that a fight that we have to fight? And, it, and it's not just disabled people, trans people gave all of these, all yeah. of these uh, disenfranchised peoples and all of these, these, uh, marginalized groups that if we just focused on the things that we have in common and, and that we, and, 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 that, and that I say, be additive, not subtractive, anything mm-hmm. that's going to better the world for me or the people around me, I try and stick to those types of actions. If, if it's going to harm the people around me or, 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 or someone saying this isn't good, then, then I'm going to try and correct that behavior because I don't want, I don't want to see the people around me suffer. I I'm an empathic human being having grown up with a childhood of, of you know, suffering. Uh, I wish not to see that upon other people, like crazy thing. I don't want people to have to go through the shit that I went through to get to where I had to get like, right. There's and definitely I, like a cognitive dissonance in the workplace oh, and yeah. with management, with the capitalists versus the laborers. And it's basically sometimes, most of the times, having a heart, having empathy doesn't correlate to producing profits. 
and oh no, so it's they a don't... weakness. It's a weakness, and we have no space for that in this. Exactly. In this... So if it's not making money, then get out, kind of thing. And you know, on the I days when I go to when on the days when I go to work, well fed and well rested because I slept in my bed at home and I had food to eat when I got up, and 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 I didn't have to worry about how I was going to get to work because I had the money to do all these things because I was properly paid a living wage. When I get to work, you know what I get to think about when I get to work. I'm thinking about how I can best do my job. If those right. things aren't being taken care of, my entire day at work is probably being wasted with me thinking about how I'm going to deal with all this bullshit at home when I get off. I'm not thinking about doing my job. you know. So this is how you create a better work experience and how you get employees to do their job better. Treat them like human beings and pay them enough to live. Go figure. And everyone acts like this is some big secret. And it's not. Like It's every single person I've spoken to, you and everyone else. All we want is to be seen and valued for our time, right? Yeah. I mean, if we weren't, if I wasn't stretched so thin and my health was factored in, I would still be working. I mean, nothing beats private health care, especially when you're sick and you need, you know, prosthetics. They're not cheap. <laughs> I, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, I have, I have a friend who's going through a, a similar issue here. Uh, um, he'll be on the show one time and I'll let him tell his story. Uh, but for, uh, you know, these, this is an issue that's very close to me as well because it's you know we're all one bad day away from from losing everything right and it's it's just and you don't know and when it happens and it changes your life like that unless it's happened to you the only way you'll ever understand that experience is by by getting to hear you know your story which was I I got to say I I for one won't be buying anything from Etsy that week I'm going to tell everyone not to buy me off it. Etsy that week. Yeah, it's my and if you're a seller week. on Etsy, it basically you shut your shop down. If you don't want to shut your shop down, like put it on vacation mode because that affects your algorithm. Anytime you take time off, it negatively impacts you and brings oh, you back. Of course, yeah. So the way that you can get around that is you keep your shop open and you can change your product pricing to like a couple thousands. It's up to you. So you can put it on vacation mode, or you can just change your product pricing to crazy prices. So that obviously people aren't going to buy, but they're going to still see your products. That doesn't affect your algorithms per se. So that's a, that yeah, might yeah. be a safer option. But basically, don't buy, don't sell from August 11th to 18th. And you don't have to do the full seven days if you can't. I understand that this is your this, this is, is people's livelihood. It's not everyone can take, you know, like you, like it's it. You're you're preparing for this, but it's going to be hard for you to take this time off. Too, it's right? going to be like, hard. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if I'm going to be able to hold out for the full till the 18th. I'm going to do my best, but I still have a website. So I'll be directing traffic and all sales to my dot com to take sales that way. So that Etsy doesn't right. And that's the other thing. Off. Anyone who wants to continue supporting their Etsy sellers through this strike can reach out to them and 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 purchase through Ask their for their website. Shop. Look for and, their website. Buy okay. directly from them. Um, if you're unsure, send them an email to say, hey, when can you ship this out? Kind of thing. If they respond to you, you know, obviously you know that that shop's probably going to be ethical. So that, that shouldn't be an issue. But if you know the shops, always buy from their website, like from their direct website, not from Etsy, just because Etsy just takes such a huge cut. Maybe, maybe. And let's hope for, let's, I always want to look for the positive outcome. Let's hope that Etsy hears it when you guys strike it. Let's hope they hear the possibility of a strike and maybe they come to you guys and and they, and they make some concessions beforehand because at the end of the day, what everyone wants is Right. You, you want to be valued for the work you're doing for them. And if they can meet you in the middle somewhere there, like that's that's why we're doing that. Right. So, yeah, hopefully they can uh, get their heads out of their asses and figure that out for us. Um, hopefully. And, and that'd be great. Um, I want to 
thank you for recording this with me and sharing your story with us. It's very inspirational. For a last thing that you want to say to anyone out there that's going to be participating in this, I think we covered all the basics for the strike. You know, if you want to uh, let us know where your shop and how to get a hold of you and all that stuff so we can uh, participate before you go on strike. Okay. Yeah. Well, my shop is kittyapothecary.com. So uh, can I send you the link? Or yep, I'll, I'll, I'll put the link in the description here of this uh, podcast. Okay, cool. And it's also kittyapothecary on etsy.com. Um, so you can check it, check me out there, but it would be great to buy from my website. I'm also on Amazon Handmade, but my products there are limited. We believe in empowering workers. So in, in, in if you want to know what someone needs, you go directly to the person. You So you you have your website. Let's go to your website. That's that's the best place <laughs> yeah. to get you without any other interference. Direct direct to the source, right? Correct. You know, this. I'm Joey. This is the Pragmatic Anarchist. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, my Patreon subscribers, they are what gives me the power to keep this going. If anyone wants to join the Patreon, patreon.com slash mohawkjoey. Everything can be found and listened to on my website, www.mohawkjoey.com slash podcast. Work, 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 work